Okay. Wow, that's loud. Turn me down a little. Not like I'm screaming at people. As long as it still records, that'll be good. Okay. Um, thank you. A uh, couple. We got a couple things to hand out to you. First of all, thanks for coming. This is a great turnout for the first. Yes. Well, at home I actually do wear a halo, just so you know. The wrong colored halo. What if I put the shades back down? That looks like a bad bathroom, though. It's just which one? How's that? Still halo? I want that look for the rest of class. Thank you very much. That is, thank you. Not even cracked. That's exactly right. That's right. When I go home, I want people to say, wow, he really had a halo on today. Um, okay, a couple things we need to give you. First of all, we've got books here. Um, I think these were about 10 bucks a piece. Here's the thing. You know, if you want to give us 10 bucks for that, that's great. If not, that's fine too. If you're not going to give $10 in the plate because you're giving $10 to this, just put it in the plate and we'll call it square. Um, but can somebody help me pass these around? Thank you. And I will explain them, so don't, you know, don't start reading into it. We'll explain what we're going to do. Thank you. Yep, I got one right here. Thanks. I think we have enough for everybody. Um, you know what? If you, ah, uh, boy. You know what? Here's what you could do. On your way out, just give it to Tammy downstairs at the front desk. Sure, yeah, it's no, it's no rush. It's not, believe me, we're not going to hold you on this. Two more. Yes. Okay. Uh, is that the last one right there? Okay. Here we go. Uh, okay, so who doesn't have a book? Because we'll need to order more. Maddie doesn't have a book. Who else doesn't have a book? You don't, Oh, shooty, we got to get you a book. You're new. If we don't give you a book... Okay. So we need, so who doesn't have a book? Judy will get one. One book. Back here, two books. And I thought we ordered 35, but maybe we have more than 30. We, let's order, let's order at least five more. Yeah. That's the only box he gave me. So we need at least three. Okay, one, two, three for Faye. Anybody else need one? It's no big deal. We're actually not going to use the book today, so it's, it's going to be okay. We will, uh, we will order it for you, and we will have you copies. Yes. There are snacks back there. If it gets boring, help yourself. Now, this makes me nervous because I only have 30 copies of this, too. How many people do we have? Four? Eight? Twenty-seven. That, that is odd. Okay, everybody have a sheet there? Uh, is there an extra? There they are. Okay, uh, so here we go. Everybody okay? Now don't look ahead if you got the outline. This is like the ACT. Don't look ahead. Pencils down. Not you, you can keep writing. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> can everybody hear me okay? All right, great. Um, I'll try not to write on the board too much because apparently you can't see the board very well from the Joy Group folks. If we do, we'll use black and we'll see okay. Okay, well, as, uh, as we do most years, um, we send out a postcard. We think we have the topic right. 
And then on like Wednesday of the week the class is supposed to start, we say, now what are we doing again? Which is roughly how this time went. Hey, Vic, we need 15 more of those books. Fantastic. That's why we love you. Uh, Carrie, there you go. We'll get you a book for next week, okay? Um, and we had picked this book long ago, far away. This is actually a very well-received book written by Pope Benedict while he's, while he's been Pope. Um, yeah, you'll love this. The Pope is, uh, the Pope is in, you know, anybody know where the Pope's at today? He, thank you very much. It is better than that, though. The Pope, this morning, gave a lecture at the Augustinian Monastery in Erfurt, where Luther studied. And his lecture was titled, We Need to Return to Luther. Think about that. Ah, uh, that was it. Well, that was the English translation. <laughs> the German translation was, Du bist something Luther. So, uh, there you go. Um... So he said he he is he he met with the he met with the state church and the head of the Lutheran church there and um, actually his whole I mean I actually said we should run it as a welcome it was brilliant his whole thing was um, Luther's single question was where do I find the grace of God and he said that's the single question that Catholics needs to ask, Catholics need to ask today where do I find the grace of God you remember Luther if you've seen the Luther movie it was dram- over dramatized a bit but you know he's in his he's in his monastic cell and then. You know, kind of the critique of Luther was he went to confession so repeatedly that it became almost, um, yeah, too much, but even in some sense very self-regarding. It wasn't about confession. It was about his own internal struggles. Um, And it's come out since then that Luther had some emotional struggles, and um, someone wrote wrote a whole article that said if Luther was alive today, he would have medication for some of the things he had gone through, which is actually very true. Um which gives you a different picture then of what Luther struggled with, uh, you know, in 1517. But his whole, his whole paper to this, this group of Lutherans was, we as Catholics need to return to the question of Luther. And he even said at one point, Luther was thoroughly Christocentric. His single question was, what does Christ do for me? And what does Christ do for the church? And that's the question we need to ask today. This is from the Pope. So that's interesting. Yeah, and, he, and his whole thing was, the church has become too philosophical and not theological enough. So the church needs to return to not a philosophical idea about Jesus, but the actual person of Christ who comes in his sacraments. That's what the church needs. So um, the good news is, and there was another article that said, John Paul II was most, um, his heart reached out to which group of people the most? John Paul II. In all of his papacy, what did it reach out to the most? What group? Catholics? Yeah, of course, Catholics. But what group of non-Catholics or non-Christians? The Jews. Yeah, the Jews were the Jews were his most beloved people outside the church. They said for Benedict, it is whom? Lutherans. So um, now he's an old man. He's 85 or 84. Uh, who knows how much longer he'll live? The good news is every cardinal, and those are the folks who vote um, on the next pope. Every cardinal that's alive today was selected by either John Paul II or Benedict XVI, which means the next pope will probably carry on the same sort of theological thought. So it's good for the church, and also Benedict is is a masterful theologian. Um, But he's written this very nice book. It's almost devotional on the famous women in the church. And this question has sort of popped up over and over again. I can Well, I, I got this call to Atlanta. I can remember the first question they asked me during the interview. The first question was, 
what's your view on the role of women in the church? The first question, okay? Um, and that is a live question. And I've said over and over again, women have been underused and underappreciated in the church for a long time, which is part of the reason why we, we wanted to have deaconesses around. Um, obviously, we don't have one this year, but that was part of the reason, to put women in places where they could do good for the church and do good for Jesus. Um, and this has been a long-standing tradition. If you just look at the back of your book, just look at the back cover, this is a quote, I think, from the preface to the book, so you can go home and read this later, but just look at the quote on the top there. Dear brothers and sisters, history records almost exclusively the accomplishments of men, when in fact much of it is due to the determined, unrelenting, and charitable action of women. Isn't that great? So, um, and you, of course you have stories all over the Gospels where women appear, and in some sense women are the first proclaimers of the, of the resurrection. Um, so women need to refine their place in the church, and the church needs to help them find that spot. This is all in line with what, with what Pastor Bruzik has talked about for a year now, finding your spot and working your spot. So our goal is to share these stories, and these are not women from the, from the Bible, okay? These are women from the history of the church. So we're not going to talk just about Mary and Sarah and Eve and Anna and all these other women. We're going to look at women throughout the history of the church because they lived in similar circumstances to all of you, especially people in the early church. So um, I think week by week we'll try to take one woman at a time. We'll read the thing from Benedict. And then we'll talk about it. Some of these women you know, if you just look at the, uh, the table of contents. I mean, Hildegard of Bingen, you may not know her. Uh, you may know Bingen, Indiana. Uh, but you don't know St. Hildegard of Bingen. But St. Clair of Assisi, you know her. Gertrude the Great, that's interesting. Um, Elizabeth of Hungary, you know her. Catherine of Siena, Julian of Norwich, but there are all these other ones, you know, St. Catherine of Genoa, St. Joan of Arc, St. Teresa of Avila, and St. Therese of Lisieux. All those people are people that maybe you haven't come in contact with. So, um, so what we want to do is spend time with these women in the history of the church and see how their lives um, were a reflection of the life of Christ and how their lives might then uh, give you a paradigm or an example of how to live your own life in the church today. Make sense? So hopefully, you know, this, this will take as many weeks as there are chapters. Um, obviously, it won't take us throughout the whole year, but hopefully you can do a few things. One, appreciate women in the church, which I think you all do. And two, appreciate that someone um, maybe of a different tradition has recognized that same spot of appreciation, Pope Benedict XVI. Um, and I think what you'll find herein won't be anything foreign to all of you. Certainly some of the language may be but we can work through all of that. Make sense? Okay. Um, to start, though, I was at Camp Arcadia about, uh, about two weeks ago. When were we there, Abby? <laughs> oh, yeah, September 3rd through the 5th. Thank you very much. September 3rd through the 5th. And uh, Labor Day. Yeah, Labor Day. And the last words Pastor Bruzik said to me when I left the office on Friday morning were... Don't blow the Arcadia gig. Okay, good. So that's like, is that law or gospel? Yeah, sounds like law. So, uh, so of course, I'm like, hey, I can think I can do this. Of course, what's the topic they wanted me to talk about for two days? Mary. Yeah. So Mary among a group of Lutherans. Uh, what are my odds of blowing that gig? Yeah, they're not slim to none. In fact, they're really great. Um, so the first day, uh, you know, I started by, well, the first day I said, this is great. The first day I said, 
At breakfast, before the first lecture, they said, will you stand up and just introduce your topic to get people excited about coming? Sure. So I stand up. There are about 160 people. And I said, raise your hand if you know what the topic is. How many hands do you think went up? One. <laughs> one hand. Not Abby. Even Abby didn't know the topic. What hand? And what's the one hand that went up? Donna Loza. Okay. So I had one insider who knew that. Of course, she goes, it's Mary. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, great. My own parishioner is the only one who knows the topic. So, of course, I say to Chip May, the guy who's in charge, you all have met Chip before, I said, uh, I said, see, they came for the weekend, not for the speaker. So, uh, of course, someone had a book there. What was the book called? No, it was better than that. It was close. What was it called? Living Six, yeah. So as one lady comes in that morning right before breakfast with a book that was called Living Su- How to Live Successfully with Screwed Up People. And I walked to her in the middle of my introduction. I said, actually, because no one knows the topic, we've changed it on the fly. The new topic is How to Live Successfully with Screwed Up People. So if you're screwed up, if your wife is screwed up, your, your kids are screwed up, maybe I'm screwed up, come and we'll talk about how to live successfully. Well, anyways, it went, I think it went extraordinarily well. The good news is, a marker of how successful it is is whether or not people show up the second day. Um, we actually had more people the second day than we had the first day. So I think it, I think it was okay. But I led by telling them, you know, we're going to talk about Mary, but um, a couple ground rules. First of all, um, you know, we're going to be defined by what we love and not by what we hate. And that would be a good ground rule for all of us. We're reading Pope Benedict. It's easy to say, um, you know, these are the things I dislike. And in some sense, the Reformation and Martin Luther were characterized by being defined by what they disagreed with. So first rule, I'll write it on the board, even though you won't be able to see it. First rule is what we love, not what we hate. Make sense? Good. Second rule, um, as I was at Camp Arcadia, right before the first lecture, I was out on the, out on the front porch, and someone said, I, they didn't say it to me, I could overhear it, though. They maybe didn't know I was the speaker. They said, Mary. They said, Catholics talk way too much about Mary, and Lutherans don't talk about her at all. So my second rule for them and for you is misuse, fill in the gap, does not equal disuse. Just because other folks misuse things doesn't mean you disuse them. For instance, lots of people watch lots of bad things on TV. How many of you still have a TV? Case in point, okay? So the point is, misuse doesn't constitute disuse. So to lead us sort of into holy women of faith, or holy women in the history of the church, it might be good to start with really the most famous lady. Um, I mean, we sing about her in our church, and you hear it also at the shopping mall, most highly favored lady, Mary, the mother of Jesus. So I want to talk about Mary today, um, not as a mother, and not as a friend, and not as, um, you know, just sort of any other saint, but Mary particularly as a woman, and how her womanhood um, really is a picture of how God interacts with the church, and that'll lead us in then to these other women of faith, all right? That makes sense? You all have a handout, and I will admit this is all from Camp Arcadia, so I didn't prepare very much. I printed it off and brought my notes down. But uh, you haven't heard it before, so it'll seem new to all of you, all right? So listen to this story And don't cheat ahead. Just listen to the story and tell me what comes to mind, okay? You've all heard this before. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth 
to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay? So, uh, with all of that, you've heard this story, you hear it at least twice a year, the Feast of the Annunciation, and also usually the Feast of Christmas, or the fourth Sunday in Advent, what in that story jumps out at you? Words that jump out at you, images that jump out at you, thoughts that jump out at you, what are they? Just start off. Go ahead. Good, okay. What the heck is going on? What else? Who are you? Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, right. Slow down and say it one more time. Yeah, right, exactly. What else? Good, okay, so acceptance and faith and submission. What else jumps out at you? Yeah. Good, so what do you think of when you hear the word favored? Yes, okay, she's special, good. What else? Is that, is that the bell like to go down? I didn't know if we were having the Eucharist or something. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, and it's very... Yeah, right. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, the interesting, the interesting question is, and this is a question. Right, which is how her question is very different than the question of Zechariah, right? What is, when Zechariah finds out, what does he ask? You remember? Yeah, she's barren, and he kind of goes on and on, and is this really going to, and how can you do this, and what? He asks all these questions of faith, like, is this really how you want to do this thing? What does Mary ask? It's strictly a biological question. Hey, I'm not married. You're welcome. I'm not married. I haven't been with Joseph yet. Um, How's this thing going to work out? Right? So she's favored. Can you repeat that? Hey, speak slowly. I didn't quite hear it the first time. She She takes it all in, and what does she say? hey, biologically, this doesn't happen, so how is this going to all be worked out? What else jumped out at you? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah, the ordinariness of the... Yep. Yeah, and, and roughly how old is Mary? Uh, yeah, 16 at the oldest, probably. I mean, there's every chance she could have been 13, 14, 15, maybe 16. Yeah, it's not, there's no force here, there's no pressure, there's no power. It's, hey, we chose you, and this is what we want to do, right? Yeah, 
Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, what else? Yeah. Yep. Yes, good. Okay. Exactly. So she's not talking here about um, all the Old Testament books that she'd read before, partly because she, uh, she may not have been privy to those. Um, and even if she was able to read, you know, chances are they wouldn't have been around for her to read anyway. So she's not talking about, oh, yeah, I heard in Isaiah 7, you said a virgin will conceive and bear a son. That's me. What's she referring to? The word you've just spoken. Right. Okay, good. Well, I mean, Elizabeth got pregnant, you know, this is the sixth month, so she'd been pregnant for six months. But chances are, you know, they didn't just, they didn't just Skype and Elizabeth say, look at my belly, I'm 101 and I'm pregnant. Well, no, they lived far enough away that Mary had to travel to go see her. Yeah. Oh, it is news to her. Yeah, exactly. Part of, she could have, but it doesn't seem like that because the, the tip-off word is behold. Whenever it says behold in the scriptures, that means this is something you didn't know before. Exactly. Exactly, right. Yeah. Right. And the other thing is, what happened to Zechariah? He can't talk. So it's not like Zechariah's going to his priest friend saying, hey, hey, you wouldn't believe what happened. Elizabeth is pregnant. He can't even speak. Right? Exactly. And that's why, in, especially in the Gospel of Luke, a big deal is made out of what event after Mary finds out she's pregnant. What event? When she goes to visit Elizabeth. Exactly. There, there's a big deal made out of that event. And in fact, as you'll, as you'll see in a little bit, um, it's reminiscent of what in the Old Testament? This is, this is, a, you know, this is the extra credit question. Even, uh, yes, but even more than that, the movement of the Ark of the Covenant. The movement of the Ark of the Covenant. When the Ark of the Co- what did the Ark of the Covenant have inside of itself? Do you remember? Tablets, which were the ten commandments, but they're not called commandments, they're called ten words. And what did Mary have inside of her? John 1, the word was made flesh. Mary has the word inside of her. So, uh, in fact, I've got, people never believe me, so I've got a color-coded flip chart I always carry in my Bible when I bring this up. Usually seminarians say that's not true, right, Vic? Exactly. Actually, there was a seminarian at Camp Arcadia who sat in the first row. It was great. I could tell he was taking notes to go back and tell someone at the seminary. But after you have a couple beers with a guy like that, it's all okay. Um, So the Ark of the Covenant traveled into the hill country of Judea. Mary traveled into the hill country of Judea. Luke 1, 2 Samuel 6. Uh, This is, uh, oh yeah, David. What did David do around the Ark? He danced and he leapt. And what did John the Baptist, the the priest of the New Covenant? Yes, exactly. Uh, David shouts in the presence of the Ark, and Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud cry. I mean, it just gets better and better. Uh, Inside the Ark of the Covenant, the two stone tablets, inside Mary, Jesus, the Word made flesh. I mean, there are about 15 instances where everything overlaps. So Mary is then the new and greater Ark of the Covenant. But that's all all prefigured, or, or, or not prefigured, that's all fulfilled when she travels to visit Elizabeth. What else in this story jumps out at you? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. That's right. Exactly right. In fact, it's stronger that I'll show you. The word is dule. She says, I'm a slave. I'm a slave. Okay? What else? Anything else jump out at you? Yeah. 
But whenever somebody says behold in the scriptures, the Greek word means something big is about to happen, something extraordinary. Behold doesn't appear all over the place, although Luke's gospel may have it a bit more than others. Okay, what else? Anything else jump out at you? Yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah, partly what you don't know is this is lecture number two. Lecture number one was kind of an overview of culture today. Um, and the significant characteristic of today's culture is most people, their problems can be boiled down to the fact that they feel alone and unloved. And Mary, of course, is all by herself before the angel appears. And then the last line is what? And the angel departed from her, which means, once again, you'd think she'd be alone and unloved, but she's not because Jesus is inside of her. Jesus is inside of her. Okay? Anything else? Yes, Beth. Exactly. Yeah, the Greek is me phobisco, like phobia. Have no phobia. Have no fear. Right? So, yeah, he instantly calms her. Don't be afraid. What else? I've given you a list there, so look at a couple things down here. First of all, the angel. Um, how do you envision angels today? Yeah, good. Keep going. Keep describing them. Wings. We're going to have the Feast of St. Michael and all angels next Thursday. Wearing white. Big sword sometimes. You're, maybe you do. Some people don't. Eyes of flames. Okay. What else? Female, yeah. Have you ever been to, have you ever, have you, yeah, have you ever, pretty long hair. Have you ever seen a precious moments angel? Yeah, exactly. Here's the thing, though. You ask people today, how do you envision an angel? They envision an angel like your kid, right? Big chubby cheeks, rosy red cheeks, maybe long hair, big white wings. When kids get dressed up as angels for Halloween, what do they look like? Scary or happy and precious? Happy and precious. Yeah, I mean, they're... Exactly. See, here's the thing. Most people, yeah, most people don't have a biblical view of, of angels. Most people, their view of angels is what they see on TV or what they see at Christmas cards. Yeah, you always see, you know, Jesus, you know, Mary looks like she's a German Lutheran, and, uh, and Jesus is this chubby little kid, and there are all these angels that look like chubby little cherubs hanging over Jesus' manger, when in fact, you know, Jesus, as I said to someone, had what color skin? Yeah, well, yeah, it was, it certainly wasn't a Lutheran, okay? And he said, well, I meant to say German. He wasn't a Lutheran either. That was a joke. <laughs> Although I do always say Jesus was a Lutheran. Eventually. Eventually he became a Lutheran, yeah. He reformed the church and left and became a Lutheran, nailed something to the Jerusalem temple and 95 theses. Yeah. Yeah, in the ancient world, angels had big flaming swords and their eyes were like fire, but not fire like, oh, they're just bright and happy, like they could destroy you. Angels in the ancient world created what reaction from people? Fear. So Mary is not afraid of the message. What's she afraid of? The messenger. This is why in the King James Version, which says no other version of the Bible, it says an angel became, Mary became afraid at what point when she saw the angel? And she saw the angel and became afraid. All right? Well, no, but she certainly, no, that's actually true, but she may have heard stories about them. They didn't know. When they showed up, they were going to announce a message from God, and sometimes that message was good, and sometimes it was bad, right? Yes, in fact, this is, this is part of the problem. Uh, 
the ESV doesn't translate it as accurately. The, actually, the King James is very good. Anybody have a King James Bible? Come on, where are the old Lutherans in the group? No. <laughs> yeah. In the King James, it says, and behold, when she saw the angel, she was afraid. It was the sight of the angel that made her afraid. How about virgins? In the ancient world, how were virgins treated? Well, let me just ask you this. If you were a Jewish lady, was it good for you to get married or not get married? Get married and have babies, right? So, you know, already if she's a virgin, the fact that he announces, you know, you're a virgin and I'm coming to a virgin, that's very significant because she is not, she's not reached full potential yet because she's not a mom of a lot of little Jewish kids, right? Yep. Yes, they did. But, uh, yes, but Jews did not prize virgins the same way the pagans, the pagans in Rome did. You're right, the pagans did, but what reason did they prize the virgins? Yeah, exactly, to use them for all the wrong reasons, right? Jew, uh, Judaism, which is, which is keen on doing what the Lord says, prized actually marriage and having children, in some respects more than virginity. And you don't see a switch back from that until the Middle Ages when what became popular again? Monasteries, nunneries, virginity. And for a long time then in the medieval church, being a virgin was prized over being married, which is even today why you have in some denominations, you know, celibate priesthood, celibate, celibate nunneries and things like that. Greetings. This is an important word. If you've got a Bible, who's, who's willing to read? Yeah, what does it say? I want you to read from... Read, yeah, read it. Start at 28. Good. So stop right there. So first of all, the King James captures the whole of the greeting, which other, other translations don't, which is actually, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, the first part of the rosary, which is why the first part... I often tell people, you can pray the first part of the rosary. Why is that? It's right in the Bible. The only part that's not in the Bible is the second half, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. But if she says a prayer for you, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, if you were here for lecture four of Camp Arcadia, it was Mary is your friend, and I ended by saying with the confession say, the saints are in heaven doing what for you? Praying for you. Right, exactly. So yes, it says, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. And when she saw the angel, she was greatly troubled. Okay? Now, somebody open up Zechariah 9 9, and somebody open up Zephaniah 3 15 and 17. Good, hold that because we want to go to that one second. Zechariah 9 9. Where is Zephaniah? What page is that in there? I always get lost at the. There you go, I found it. Good. So somebody read Zechariah, Zechariah, nine nine. Good. So the greeting. Who's that greeting to when it says rejoice, O daughter of Zion? Now who's the daughter of Zion? Israel. That same word. That's that word is Kyrie. Guess what? When the angel comes to Mary, the first word he speaks is Kyrie. Rejoice. Now, it's translated here as greetings, because we have a misconception. of It sounds like he comes and says, hey, hey, how's it going? Good to see you again. Are you doing okay today? That's not what he said at all. When he comes to greet Mary, he says, Kyrie, greetings, rejoice, which is the exact same word that who was greeted with? The people of Israel. The people of Israel. 
So already what you know is Mary is Israel reduced to one. Whatever happened to Israel is about to happen to Mary. Now what happened to Israel? What was promised to Israel? Zephaniah 3, 15 and 17. Do you have that, Mary Lou? Yeah, you can start there. Yeah. Good. So this is addressed then to the daughter of Zion. You've just heard Mary is Israel reduced to one. And what does the Lord say is going to happen in the midst of the daughter of Zion? The Lord is with you in your midst. Guess what it says in the Hebrew literally? The Lord is, this is very important, the Lord is in your womb. Isn't that fascinating? He says to, he says to Israel, the Lord is in your womb like Mary. And he's there to do what? Verse 17, he is there as a mighty one who will save. Now, when when the angel comes, he says to Mary and to Joseph, you will call his name Jesus. Why? He will save his people from their sins. So what the Lord says to the daughter of Zion in Israel is, the Lord is in your womb, he is there to save. What he says to Mary is, The Lord is in your womb. You will call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save. Mary is Israel reduced to one. This is very significant. Okay? This is very significant. Flip your page. The whole favored bit is very important, too, and we could talk for hours about this. Uh, The whole favored bit is important because it's not active. Mary doesn't earn the favor of the Lord. It is passive. Who does the verbs? The Lord does the verbs. The Lord favors Mary, right? When he says the Lord is with you, that also can be translated as the Lord is in you, just like he is with you in your womb. Good. Divine conception. This was Luther's great thing. How did Mary conceive Jesus? In her ear. In her ear. So you see these great paintings of oftentimes Mary is in prayer, Um, And the angel, oftentimes what happens is Mary is standing and the angel is kneeling. Why is that? What happens when you go to see, you know, the queen mum in England? Yes, exactly. And uh, the Lord is the king. Who is the second most important person for any king? The queen mother. The queen mother. Right? The queen mother. So uh, you have this great scene where Bathsheba comes to Solomon um, as his mother. And what does she say to Solomon? I'll, I'll give it to you another time. In 1 Kings, he says, she says, uh, Son, I have one request. Do not deny me. And what does Solomon say? You are my mother. I will not deny any request. Which is precisely what Mary does with Jesus. So, divine conception, in her ear, nothing is impossible. If she can give a baby to a virgin, what else can he do? I am the servant, I am the slave, meaning Mary does as she's bidden to do. It's obedience. Let it be unto me. This is her yes, and this is very important. This doesn't happen by force. It's not like the angel comes up to Mary and says, if you don't do this, done. He says, I got a great offer for you. And Mary says, hey, that sounds like a great idea. I'm a little scared because you look kind of scary and I've heard stories about angels before and I don't really know a man and in fact I may not ever know a man but I know right now that you're giving me this baby as a gift. This really is kind of a good thing. You know what? Let it be unto me according to your word. It's in what's called the optative meaning it's happy and excited and joyful. 
This is not the angel twisting Mary's arm. This is the angel saying, I've got a great gift, and Mary saying, thank you very much. Now, the interesting thing is, do you remember how the Lord created things back in Genesis? With his word. And how did he do it? What did he say? What's the very first thing he says? Let there be, and now what does Mary say? Let it be unto me. She receives everything from creation. So, the Lord frees her to choose. This is Mary's yes. Don't get me wrong. Yes. You can ask anything. How Jesus showed the same respect to Mary? Yeah, well, you, you don't, yeah, you don't usually, yeah. Well, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if he, I actually think he maybe did. A couple things. Certainly, if you, have to, if you have to pick who's in charge, Jesus or Mary, it would certainly be Jesus. Because what are Mary's last words in Scripture? Do whatever he tells you, right? Do whatever he tells you. And actually, woman is not a derogatory term. That was actually, in some sense, a term of endearment. So it's not like he's saying, hey, you old woman, don't talk to me and don't tell me what to do. That's not what he's saying. But part of it is, a couple things. When do you get the first accounts of Jesus' life in Scripture? How old is he? Twelve, yeah, you get one account, he gets lost in the temple, and Mary and Joseph go crazy because they can't find him, um, which shows you that Mary doesn't know everything because she says, we didn't know where you were, exactly. But really, after that, you have no account of Mary's life until Jesus is 30-ish, right? So what happened between zero and 30? We have 30 years. I mean, if you, if you said to me, um, I, don't know, I don't know anything about this person for the first 30 years of their life, you would probably agree you missed a lot of their life and a lot of how they interacted with each other. So part of it is um, we miss what happened in the first 30 years. Remember, when Jesus turns 30, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he doesn't, not that he doesn't have time, but there's not enough time in Scripture to tell us all those stories. That's why John says, I have hundreds of other stories I could have told you and I didn't tell you. Well, that Jesus, yeah, I do, I do think, I do think, I, yeah, I, I actually think that's probably you do have you do have um, you do have uh, instances in the rest of Scripture, like in Revelation, where there's this picture of Mary in heaven, where Jesus the Son is caring for his mother. But I do think Jesus on the cross, there's more to saying take care of my mother than, uh, gosh, she doesn't know how to pay her light bill. Can you please go write the checks for? Her? There's more. To, there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he says it in Revelation. It says, the Lamb says, behold, I make all things new. Yeah. Well, he may say it to Mary in Revelation, but you've got to read a little more into it. It's not, it's not as clear. Yeah. I think it's Revelation 21 where he says, I saw the Lamb, and the Lamb said, I make all things new. Actually, that's where Mel Gibson is actually helpful. You get a picture of Jesus as a child that you don't have. I always think it's interesting the obedience one is important because it does say Jesus was obedient to his mom and his dad or his stepfather. Um, but the significant thing is it also says Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, meaning he got big and he got smart and someone had to buy him new clothes and someone had to teach him. And who is that? It's certainly not Joseph because what's Joseph doing? He's, yeah, making a living for the family. And what's, what's Mary doing? She's at home. She's homeschooling the kid. And uh, she's making him new clothes. and a te- So it is, it's not insignificant that the one who is called the teacher of the world is actually taught by Mary. That's very significant. So Jesus has to learn somehow. Jesus doesn't pop out of the womb knowing all things. 
And this is where sometimes Lutherans can, and, and frankly most Protestants can sort of get out of whack. We think Jesus came out as this little infant who, you know, sort of knew everything and knew from day one he was going to die. And, you know, he sort of grew up like this and he went from zero to 30 in, in 12 hours. That, that's not how he came out. How he came out was like any other kid came out. And in fact, he didn't know much. So he had to learn and he had to get bigger and he had to get smarter. And you see this then even in the Garden of, of, of Agony when he says, what to his father in heaven? If there's any other way, let it happen. Which means he doesn't really want to do it. Right? So we, did, we can't have this sense of Jesus as being sort of superhuman, where he's sort of beyond humanity. He's just like your kids, just like my kids. That's, exa- that's the only way he's not like your kids. That's the only way he's not like your kids. But here's the thing. I mean, partly, partly you know, uh, it's hard to imagine that because we have such a skewed sense of what sin is about. But he did everything your own kids do. He played with his friends. He climbed on the kitchen table. He did. But when Mary said, get down, he got down. Yeah, not like Claire, who just keeps climbing, right? Yeah, so that, that's the difference. But I do think, I do think we missed out on a lot um, because we don't have 30 years of his life. Yeah, that would be fun. But the important part about the whole text is when the Lord finally graces her and favors her and loves her enough, that she then is free to choose. So I want to talk about that for just a minute. But first, look at point number four. The center of this story, and if you were to draw this out, you know, on a board, kind of verse by verse, this really would be the center of the story. The center of the story is this single section. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now just stop right there. When's the last time, what's the first instance in Scripture where the Holy Spirit sort of came upon something? Moved upon the face of the water at creation. The exact same verb used for moving upon the face of the water is used here with Mary. So the Holy Spirit will come upon you just like he did the waters at creation. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Where was the power of the Most High, what was it always overshadowing as the Israelites moved? Yeah, the ark, because it overshadowed the temple, the tabernacle. Okay, And then this makes sense. Why? Because it says, Jesus, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. See how this all plays together? Mary is Israel reduced to one. Jesus is the tabernacle reduced to one. This is why when Jesus' side side gets pierced, that's like the temple curtain being torn in two. See how it all plays together? Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. So, the key to the entire text, and this for Luther is where Mary actually conceived the baby Jesus, the key to the entire text is the union of God and man in the womb of a woman. The question is, why does a woman matter? Tell me what happened in Eden. Tell me about the fall. What happened? Devil tempted the woman. Good. Uh, help me out a little more. Um, what did the devil say to the woman? Yeah. It's like when Emma said, <laughs> this is so funny. Last night, Emma sits down. It's been a long day. I, of course, like I said, I'm an old man, so I want to watch the news at 7 o'clock. Replayed, of course. I put the news on. She says, Daddy, can I watch TV? I said, no, you can't watch TV. I'm watching the news. And Abby yells from the other room, Emma, what did you say? Yeah, you've forgotten about it. Emma, you watch TV all afternoon today. What does Emma say? No, I didn't. She leans over. No, I didn't. Did mom really say? No, I didn't. I said, 
Just relax. I'll take care of it. It's like, it's, that's how it is in the garden. Did God really say? No, he didn't say that. He didn't say it. Okay? So if you, ever, if you don't believe in original sin, talk to a kid sometime. All right? All children are lawyers. Emma is the best negotiator I've ever met. Now, can I have that piece of gum now? And I promise I won't have it later, but maybe I could have a half now and a half later. That would be one piece, Daddy. Just one piece. And how about an ice cream sandwich? Maybe after dinner, an ice cream sandwich? I'm like, talk to your mother, okay? <laughs> what else happened at the fall? Keep going. Court of Appeals, yeah. What, ha- what else happened? A woman. Satan came and spoke to her. He created doubt in her mind. Good. And... Um, yeah, brings her husband into it. That's never good. They got on Facebook and talked about it a little bit, went back and forth, and can you believe he said this? Yeah, she wanted his advice, and, and Adam, Adam should have been more faithful than that. And then what happens? Uh, there's, a, there's sort of a, a, a conception of sin, right? Sin had never been conceived before until this moment. Now, this is important. You've got there point five in Eden, Eve, a virgin, because remember she doesn't have kids then, and as far as we know in scripture, um, you know, a, a Jewish scholar once said, well, even Luther tried to answer this question, how soon after Eve was created did the fall occur? We don't know, but most, most scholars say it probably wasn't that long. It's not like they lived for 30 years and said, hey, we could have a better way. It might have been. She comes out of, his, out of his side, and what happens? She's like, hey, hey, look at that tree. Let me have a bite. So the point is, there's probably not a huge gap between when Eve was created and when the fall occurred, which means probably to that point, um, Eve is still a virgin. Of course, you don't know that, but that's what the church fathers have always said. So she listened. Yeah, yeah, Adam knew her, but did he know her like the minute she came out of his rib? I don't know. I can't believe you just said that. May the Lord have mercy. Wow. Now that is... I can tell, yeah, I can tell it has been a couple months since we've met. Because you you're ready to go. This is great. I know he did. I'm not, yeah, okay, okay, let's put the virgin thing aside. We'll just forget about that for now, okay? How long were we engaged? About that long. That's exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, that, that's the point. Uh, yeah, that's the point. There was, there was not a whole lot going on in, in Adam's world up until that point. Yeah, yeah, there were, he was hanging out with the animals, but there wasn't, I just can't believe you chose that that sort of well that was good. I God bless you. I mean that's great. I'm going to move beyond the virgin part. Well, I'll just tell you. I'll Yeah. Good. I know. You know what? I actually I actually <laughs> I'll give you the rest of the day off, okay? Eve didn't say it. So here's so here's the thing. So you've got in front of you. I've given you this uh, I've given you this graph here. Um, just look at this. This is the most interesting thing. So I say they're at point four. I think it's point four on yours. Point five. In Eden, Eve, we'll take out the virgin part because um, Lisa doesn't think that's true. We've got some newer members in the class, and many of them will probably not be coming back now. Oh, just wait till next week. This is PG-13. Okay. Eve. Eve, listen to the voice of Satan, a fallen angel. Remember, Satan is a fallen angel. And instantly, creation was corrupted. Her listening leads to our loneliness and unlovableness. So here's what you've got. Eve, I wish the black markers worked. Vic, your job is to buy new black markers. 
Eve, this is very important. I mean, this is, this is the way the Lord does stuff. Those of you who like things that are symmetrical and easy to understand, this is it. Eve, maybe a virgin, maybe not. Eve does what? She's a woman. That's important. What happens then? She maybe was a virgin, uh, but she certainly listens to a word. Who does the word come from? Fallen angel. And what happens? Sin is conceived. And this happens, of course, where? In a garden. Now, church history has always said, and again, this is debatable, that when the angel came to Mary, he came to Mary in a garden. Garden. So here's Eve. Here's Mary. What happens? Maybe in a garden. Who knows? We'll put a question mark there. Mary is a woman. What happens? The angel speaks a word. This is a holy angel. And what happens? Salvation is conceived. What's just happened here? Say it again. Yeah, there's a parallel here, meaning everything that went wrong here is being undone here. It, well, yeah, it, uh, yeah it's, it's a do-over like unto uh, the flood. It's a fresh start here. The interesting thing is, this is what the church fathers, they have a very fancy word for this called recirculation. Basically, Eve sins and all these things happen and this big thing, you know, sort of the string of the world is knotted up. What happens with Mary? Not only is the knot undone, but it's undone as a complete reversal of what happened earlier. Could the angel have just come to Mary and said, hey, hey, you're pregnant now? Well, he could have, but why didn't he do that? Because he had to undo everything that happened before. He had to reverse everything that happened before. The Lord just doesn't zap people into holiness. He doesn't just zap people into being saved. He doesn't just zap Mary into being pregnant. And I will go as far as to say, he doesn't just say, I can do it any way I want. I can just sort of save the world and we'll call it square. He says, I play by the rules. The rules are, it all started with a woman. So everything has to start over with a woman. This is why women are important in the scriptures. So all of that means, you see there, all of that means that being a woman matters. Okay? In fact, this is point seven, I think, on your thing. Mary, a woman, is heavily involved in redemption. Now, of course, here's the thing. Mary doesn't die for our sins. And, you know, nobody needs to call the district president and say that. Mary doesn't die for our sins. Everybody knows that. But Mary does give flesh to the one who gave his flesh for us. If you don't have Mary, you don't have Jesus. And again, you can't think about, well, could the Lord have done it any other way? One, he doesn't let you ask that question. And two, that's the question that every Protestant and Calvinist has asked for 500 years. That's not the Lutheran question. The Lutheran question is, how does the Lord work? He works how he's always worked, with matter, with people. He changes things and makes them new by starting over with the same sorts of human beings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, that's a, actually, I was just thinking the same thing. Who said that? 
Yeah, it's like, you know, here's the thing. Have you ever had an experience, maybe you're not like me, where you're married for, you know, a little while and you just kind of go about your business and you forget about how much you like each other and love each other? You ever had that experience? Yeah. Now, when your spouse leaves for a little while and they come back, uh, you know, is that, is that to make your marriage better or worse? Better. Why? Because usually absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? That's exactly how it is here. There's, there's a sense in which, yeah, he could have just created them both, and he could have just, I mean, he does it for other reasons. He does it because Adam's the head and Eve is part of his body, so there's theological reasons. But also it's because it's good if somebody knows what it is to be alone, because then you appreciate being together that much more. If you never have a sense of aloneness, you never appreciate togetherness, right? So... Um, This is what I want you to think about, and I also want you to think about this in terms of the women we're going to talk about. Mary, this is very important, Mary is not a vessel. She's not a puppet. She's not, um, you know, sort of a means to an end. Um, All those things make Mary subhuman. Mary is a woman, and she is an active player in Jesus' life for nine months and then 33-some-odd years. Okay, And I've given you this before. As Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, when he got big and he got smart, she was the one who taught him how to read. And she was the one who bought him new clothes. And you've got to think about this. Mary, yeah, Mary educated and clothed and cared for the Savior of the world. Yeah, that is, I mean, that's significant. You know how hard it is to care for your own kids, and your kids are going to grow up and hopefully get a job and not live with you forever. Right? Think about, yeah, think about, think about, yes, okay. But think about, think about Mary. She is educating and clothing and feeding and caring for the one who will die for the sins of the world and make all things new. That is significant. And she is the one, as I say in the next paragraph, who stands at the foot of the cross, the great Latin hymn, hymn, Stabat Mater, the, the standing mother, the one who keeps her station at the cross, She's the one who stands at the cross, suffering with her son until the bitter end. Mary does suffer. This is why in the temple, what did they say? A sword will pierce your own soul too. When that sword, when that spear went into Jesus' side, she suffered just right with him. As he makes wrongs right and brings justice to the world. All of it. Salvation, the history of the church, the place of women in the church, all of that revolves around Mary and not her as friend or mother or saint. All of that revolves around the fact that Mary is a woman. That's what sets this whole thing into motion. I would say woman and virgin, but we obviously know that's not true right now. Love you. Okay? Um, no, I don't. I think, I think a couple things. Uh, there's often a mistake about Mary, which is to say um, she knew enough about the Bible before the angel came to her, that she sort of knew what this whole thing was going to look like. I I don't think historically or even theologically there's any way you can say Mary had that sort of knowledge. I will say this, though. She was around Jesus for a long time, and um, we have all these encounters of people meeting Jesus and being healed by Jesus and hearing Jesus preach. She had all of those plus another 30 years. So was she at the foot of the cross more knowledgeable about the plan of salvation than most people? Yeah, probably. Probably. But even 
you know, even his closest apostles didn't believe that he had risen from the dead. I don't think there's any way you can say Mary, Mary sort of knew that too, or Mary had that knowledge, or Mary was somehow better off than the rest of the folks. I think Mary, I think Mary suffers like any mother would suffer if she saw her son being crucified alive. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Part, yeah, partly. Um, yeah, well, and the other thing is you have, her, you have her appearing with the apostles in the upper room at Pentecost, and she's sort of overjoyed with them. I don't think she quite knew what was happening. And part, part of the, other, the other thing is you have all these paintings from very early on in the church where at the cross Mary is not only sad and depressed, but she looks like she really doesn't know what's going on in life. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, right. Yeah, in fact, even Eve, even Eve, when she gives birth to her first child, thinks it's what? It's the Savior. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But, but partly you have to remember how, how stories were passed on. They weren't passed on in books. They were passed on by word of mouth, which means, uh, have you ever played the telephone game? Word of mouth, that story can change a lot. And so um, partly Mary isn't, it's not like Mary sat down with her Old Testament and said, whoa, Isaiah 7, that's me. I think it is... It's, it's much, yeah, she certainly knew the stories, and some Jewish woman would give birth to this Messiah, but whether or not she sort of was able to put all the pieces together, uh, yet yeah, maybe, but we have no indication in Scripture that she knew that. So there is still this sense of, is that really what he's talking about? This, But you are right. She was trained that way, right? Yeah, right, right. Right, that's right. Yep, that's right. Anything else? Yes. Yeah. And you see it in your own lives. I mean, oftentimes we think of it in terms of bad news. But if you get bad news, have you ever noticed you go get bad news from a doctor and what happens? You almost can't hear what he's saying or she's saying because it's so extraordinary. And what do you do when you go to the doctor the second time? Then you bring a friend with you to listen. And oftentimes you don't want to talk about it right away because you're still trying to process and pond. That's exactly what Mary did. Yeah, exactly. And, and hers is, is maybe more spiritual than intellectual because she treasured up all these things in her heart, um, which is then what Jesus says we should do with all of his teaching in Matthew 28, treasure up all these things in your heart. So he basically says, be like Mary. Okay? Anything else? All right, next week we'll get to the book. Um, So read the first chapter if you would. If you don't have a book, uh, just come and we'll give you a book. Um, But yeah, read the first chapter. Is that all right, Pastor? Anything else? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so if you're around, or even if you're here, you know, we might even have them by the week. Well, no, it won't be the weekend because today's Friday. So, yeah, midweek, if you're around, stop in and we'll give you one, okay? Fantastic. Okay, let's pray, and then we'll go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.